today on Ag News Daily. A lot of what we do is advocating for agriculture and shedding the positive light that needs to be shown to the ag industry. And being the youth that's trying to do that is really good thing. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's a Friday edition of the Ag News Daily Podcast. I'm Mike Pearson, joined by Ashton Carr. Ashton, how are things down in Texas? Things are going great over here. We continue to see little bits of showers, which is always really nice. But uh, I'm I'm a little bit upset, Mike, I have to tell you. Why is that? Well, I was scrolling through the Ag News Daily Instagram earlier today, and I saw that yesterday was National Intern Day, and we missed it. Oh, no, your present hasn't arrived? Oh, I guess not. I'll, uh, I'll keep oh, moving out in the mail. lost in the mail. Uh-huh. Oh, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, it was a... A really nice present. Well, I think we'll have to contact the USPS or something and and see what's going on there. Yeah, yeah, we better we better dig into this. But you know, at the same time, they're super busy. You know, they probably they don't have time to dig into it for a session. Just trust me that we got you a great present, and it must have gotten lost because we really appreciate everything you do for the podcast. <laughs> no big deal, you know. We we forget sometimes, but it's all it's all good. <laughs> How's it going for you, yeah. today, Mike? Well, you know, it was great until I got guilt tripped here just about 30 <laughs> seconds ago. I was having a great day. But uh, no, I tell you what, it is a Friday. It has been uh, it's been a decent week. You know, as you mentioned, we've seen rainfall coming across the country. A lot of places that really needed it have gotten some. And looking out to the week ahead, it looks like things are going to cool off a little bit. So folks who are wanting to get out there and really enjoy these months of summer, you know, finally might be able to do so without melting, which will be a nice thing, a nice change of pace for a lot of folks. Oh, absolutely. I was helping one of my friends move out of his apartment earlier today in the blazing sun, and I think I'm still sweating a little bit. So I'm hopefully looking forward to that cool off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed. You're in Texas, though. So I mean, it might cool off to like 95. You know what? As long as we drop a few degrees, I will not complain. All right. Well, I tell you what, we've got a fun episode here talking to some young folks in the world of ag media who are out there learning, making some making a difference in agriculture, which is very cool. So we'll chat with them for our interview. But before we dive into that, we've got to cover the news. And uh, we've got some news out of China, actually a couple of pieces of news. First thing I want to dive into, let me pull the story back up here. We got an update on those mystery packets of seeds that have been arriving. And I still don't think we've heard from anyone who has received them in person. So if you have, uh, drop us a note. Uh, send us a picture before you send it into your state ag department. Hit us up on social media at Ag News Daily on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. But uh, the, post ser- the Postal Service in China has said they have been in touch with the U.S. Post Office, and they are working to figure out what in the world is going on. The uh, Chinese foreign ministry has called these packets faked mail, and they're saying that the information on the labels of the package appear to be forged. Uh, so they they don't, it seems like now, seem to know what in the world is going on, but uh, now it seems as though both the U.S. Post Office and the Chinese Postal Service are going to be trying to figure out what in the world is happening with these things. So I guess we'll just kind of keep an eye on this. Uh, so far... Two dozen states have issued warnings about these seeds, and I'm not entirely sure if that's because packets have been received in all, you know, two dozen of those states, 
or if it's just uh, you know preventative. They're they're making people aware that this could be an issue. So stay tuned. Check your mailboxes if you get a package of seeds from China. For the love of God, don't plant it. Don't eat them. Just call your state department of agriculture, and uh, I guess it'll just get added to uh, be another clue in this mystery. Yeah, me and Delaney talked a little bit about that yesterday about China trying to help out, find out what is really going on. But, you know, I, I really don't understand how they're trying to help out when they're the ones that sent it. I just, I don't know. It's it's all crazy to me. It seems like a, just one big joke. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very bizarre. And I haven't heard any good explanation for it as of yet. I've heard some people saying it's a, basically they call it a brushing scam where they send out basically fake things and then submit fake reviews. But if you're submitting fake reviews, you don't need to send out the packets of the whatever. And most of these packages, it says it's jewelry. And then of course it's seeds. It's just all very weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand why they're not like normal people and hire fake Yelp reviewers. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Come on, get with the times. Whatever company in China is sending out these fake seeds. <laughs> well, I have some international news myself. Coming out of Brazil, they're expected to hit record numbers during their 2020 wheat harvest. And Brazil wheat has the potential to surpass 7 million tons if the weather remains favorable. An expected rise in investment from farmers who had a profitable soybean season can divert funds into wheat, which will then drive yields higher and boost production. The harvest forecast is over 1 million tons above the government's projections earlier this year of 6.31 million tons. And the standing Brazilian wheat harvest record is 6.7 million tons from the 2016 harvesting season. And so far, there has not been any reports of significant threats to wheat in terms of climate, pests, or disease. And uh, they are expected to start their wheat harvest in early August, so maybe in the next week or two. And I guess we'll just have to follow along and see what those numbers really come to, if it is 7 million tons, if it's not, and how that will affect the markets. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the last thing I think the markets are looking to see is more wheat. But as the U.S. dollar has weakened substantially over the past two months, you know, U.S. wheat is probably still going to be competitive on the global scene. So we'll just you're right. Uh, sorry, I almost called you Delaney, Ashton. We'll have to wait and see how this crop ends up coming off the combine. Absolutely. Mike, what other headlines are you watching today? Well, I thought this was interesting. So this is out of China. They're uh, the state planner, which is not a role we have in the United States, um, basically said, came out earlier today and said that the Chinese government is going to encourage foreign investment in livestock and poultry breeding as well as plant-based meat substitute. You know, the Chinese government historically has not had this sector open to outsiders. They've tried to keep their livestock industry uh, fairly domestic. You know, they, they want meat really produced in China if they can. However, with the damage that's been done from African swine fever, they're now looking for ways to supercharge protein production. And so they're doing this both with livestock on the hoof and with plant-based, you know, fake meat type products. Um, they are obviously continuing to ramp up imports, but this new push for foreign investment will be interesting to see play out because some of the major international players that have already developed plant-based meat substitutes or have developed you know, new, new genetic lines in livestock 
If they want to do business in China, historically, they have to open their books and let those trade secrets out when they partner with a Chinese company. The state planner didn't say that would be required in this move. So if China allows companies to keep their secrets, I imagine that would really spur foreign direct investment into China. So I'm going to keep an eye on the story. We'll see what kind of rules and regulations China rolls out on these sorts of uh, protein investments into that country. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on because as we've talked about over the past, geez, six months on this podcast, particularly on Market Mondays, Chinese pork demand has certainly been beneficial for the American producer. Well, absolutely, Mike. You keep on that beat. But uh, I uh, will keep on this one. Tyson Foods has created a new monitoring program to protect workers from COVID-19. Medical experts helps design this strategy that includes ongoing data-driven testing of workers without symptoms, as well as those who exhibit certain symptoms or have been in contact with someone who has the coronavirus. And the company has also created a chief medical officer position with plans to add nearly 200 nurses and administrative support personnel to help their current health services team. The additional staff will conduct the on-site testing and coordinate treatment for workers who test positive. And Tyson reports they have already tested nearly one-third of their workforce with plans to test thousands more each week across each of their facilities. Currently, less than 1% of Tyson's 120,000 member workforce is COVID-19 positive. So uh, I am expecting a couple of more companies, big companies like Tyson to uh, maybe implement some of these practices, but only time will tell. Yeah, time will tell, but this uh, virus doesn't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon. So I would bet you are probably correct, Ashton. Yeah, certainly not. Well, I've got a story here while we're talking fake meat stuff. Impossible Foods, the maker of the Impossible Burger, has been frustrated. Obviously, they made a big push to get their burgers into restaurants. You know, notably, I believe it was Tim Hortons up in Canada was doing some kind of impossible burger type dish. And then Burger King was their big partnership here in the U.S. with the Impossible Whopper. Well, you know, restaurants have been closed, it's been drive through only, blah, blah, blah. Restaurant sales haven't been great for these plant-based meat burgers. And so now they're looking for new avenues. And in June, you they opened up their website so you could buy as many of these, you know, plant-based burgers as you wanted off their website, but uh, they still weren't super happy with it. So now they have partnered with Walmart and Impossible Burgers will now be sold at more than 2,100 Walmart stores in addition to Kroger. I know a lot of our listeners probably have Kroger grocery stores. They've been selling Impossible Burgers since May. And this agreement with Walmart will put the Impossible Burger in 8,000 retail stores across the country. So they're still out there trying to find a place for their, uh, you know, food in the public sphere. And I guess the question is going to be, will the U.S. consumer take to it? Uh, they didn't really jump over to it when beef prices skyrocketed. So now that retail beef prices are coming back down, I, I can't imagine folks are going to be banging down the door to get their hands on an Impossible Burger. But, you know, remains to be seen. Yeah, Impossible Burgers are the Impossible products. They are just 
kind of strange to me. A lot of people think that they are a lot healthier than meat products, or I, I say a lot of people, I guess those who uh, decide to go for a meat-free diet, but uh, we will see if those products actually uh, skyrocket or really uh, see any kind of benefit from partnering with Walmart. That's very interesting to me. Yeah, you know, I think so too, because I, I think you're exactly right. If you're looking to go meat free, whether you're vegan or vegetarian, I think these are, are probably a great option. If a real burger isn't an option to you for whatever reason, you know, these would be fine. I've had both the Impossible and the Beyond Meat Burger, and they were fine. You know, if I couldn't get a real burger, but I really was craving something that was similar in similar, and I use that with air quotes in texture and I guess a little bit in flavor, you know, these would be nice substitutes. But if I can eat a real burger, I, I just, I don't think the, at least in the examples I tried, the taste and texture is there to make me forego an actual, you know, quarter or half pound beef patty for an impossible burger. But you're right. I mean, we'll just, just wait and see. What other news headlines do you keep an eye on today, Ashton? Well, I am all out of news, Mike. What about you? Well, I just had one quick uh, story. We are seeing earnings reports coming out, and uh, we're starting to get some of the ag companies. Both ADM and Cargill have released their earnings, and Agco released their quarter, their results from the second quarter. And it's not terribly surprising, but it definitely highlights the slowdown that has happened in agriculture. Net sales for Agco in the second quarter were $2 billion down 17 and a quarter percent compared to the second quarter of 2019. Um, they adjusted their net income per share lower and, uh, and lower substantially. I mean, roughly about almost half of what they were expecting after the second quarter of 2019. So, I mean, there, there are companies out there that continue to struggle here post, well, and I shouldn't say post COVID because the COVID crisis is ongoing. But, um, you know, even as most of the economy starts to reopen. So we'll just keep an eye on this. We'll uh, get more of these results here out the next week as more companies report their quarterly earnings. Uh, Ashton? Well, Mike, now that we're all out of news, what do you say we hop into the markets before we get into today's interview? Absolutely. And I tell you what, folks, for those of you on the production side of agriculture, today is indeed a fry yay. Every one of our markets ended in the green. Starting with the grain, September corn was up a quarter cent at 316 even. December also up a quarter to close at 327. In soybeans, the August contract was up five and three quarters at 897 and a half. And of course, that contract is getting to be fairly thinly traded. So we'll talk September. That was up three and a half cents at 890 and a quarter. November up four and a quarter, closed the day at 8.92 and a half. In the wheat market, Chicago, September up one and three quarters at 5.31 and a quarter. December up two and three quarters to close the day at 5.38 and three quarters. Looking over towards livestock, cattle ended on a high note. August live cattle up $1.10 at 102.82.50. October up $1.12 half to close at 107.87 half. Feeder cattle also higher. The August up $1.65 at 144.67.50. September up $1.80, closed the day at 146.22 and a half. And lean hogs weren't left behind today. The August contract up 57 and a half cents at $52 even. October up $1.30. Closed the day at $49.62 and a half. Looking over at the class three milk market, July coming to an end here. July was up a penny at $24.55. The August up 23 cents. Closed the day at $21.03. Finally, for our interview, let's learn how some young folks over in Eastern Iowa are making a splash in the world of ag media. 
Today on the podcast, we have Megan Clark and Carter Momsen, who work with Current Ag Concerns. You guys, thank you so much for coming on the podcast this afternoon. Yeah, thank you for having us. So So, there's two of you. I'll go ahead and let you guys kind of introduce yourselves and maybe what your roles are at Current Ag Concerns. Alrighty. Well, my name is Megan Clark. I will be a junior this year at Central DeWitt High School. Um, this is my third year doing Current Ag Concerns, and I'm one of the weekly radio show hosts. I edit a lot of different things on our website and do a lot of different interviews and conference media work. And my name is Carter Momsen. I'm an eighth grader, and I attend Northeast High School in Goose Lake, Iowa, and I'm the graphic designer for CAC. That is very cool. And can you guys tell us a little bit about Current Ag Concerns? What is it? Definitely. Current Ag Concerns is a media group based out of Eastern Iowa. It's a group of high school students. A few of us are from DeWitt and a few of us are from the Northeast um, School District. And what we do is a weekly radio show every week, whether we speak with interviews or talk about different things going on with ag. Um, There's three of us that switch throughout the weeks. Um, Like I said, I'm one of the radio hosts. Um, Another thing that we do is a lot of local and state level media work. Um, We interview a lot of different people within the agricultural industry, as well as people who are exhibiting livestock at different county fairs or at the state fair level. We do a lot of conference media work. Um, Just this past year, we were able to attend the ARSBC conference, which is Applied Reproductive Strategies in Beef Cattle. Um, in Knoxville, Tennessee, where we spoke to different speakers and wrote some different articles for Angus Media and a few others like that. Um, We've done work at the National FFA Convention, where we spoke to keynote speakers and um, conference organizers, as well as the PBR in Las Vegas. We got the chance to interview some of the cowboys that were riding there, which was a really cool experience. Um, We've also been to Denver for some different interviews and conference work. And just a lot of what we do is advocating for agriculture and shedding the positive light that needs to be shown to the ag industry. And being the youth that's trying to do that is a really good thing for us because not only have all of us grown up around ag our whole lives, it's something that I think all of us continue to do and then within our daily lives as well as want to go into in the future. And something new that we've just started doing um, this past few months is film working and doing a lot of different filmmaking. So um, we just produced our Sunglow video and that will be coming out hopefully sometime in September. But we have all the filming done for that and we're still working on the editing right now. But that's something new that we've kind of started. And we're also shifting into working with some like television shows and stuff. So we've just gotten the opportunity to work on a TV set and have our own ag broadcast. So that's also something really exciting coming up and we're continuing to get more details with that. Well, Megan, this is really, really cool stuff. I I didn't realize that you guys were so young and I think that's, you know, pretty inspiring for those young folks that are in FFA and, and wanting to be advocates for agriculture. And so where did you guys see the need to start current ag concerns? What was the inspiration behind that? 
So um, my time on current ag concerns started because I was originally a fill-in for uh, one of the original members of the team that couldn't make it to a conference out in um, Denver, Colorado. So I got to go along and just do some different interviews with conference speakers and just look around the stock show. And that's kind of when I realized that this is something that I want to continue doing. And so when the chance came for me to apply to be on current ag concerns, I took it up and I made the team and I've been doing work for them ever since. But the original current ag concerns um, team consisted of four high school students from Northeast. Um, this was back a few years ago, so I wasn't quite at the high school level yet, but they actually started from doing a, a CDE throughout FFA, um, ag issues and perceptions. And they decided that they wanted to make their team a reality and continue to work with different ag media things so they kind of started getting into more of the podcasting actually um they were on ag media ag ag news daily and they did some work with you guys as well back with delaney howell is how they kind of got started up so they kind of started there and it's just kind of took off ever since absolutely that's very cool stuff now carter tell us a little bit about your involvement with uh, current ag concerns uh i got started when we were filming our Sun Glow video and my friend was the main character in it and he needed extras to help with the film and he asked me to do it. And so I just showed up and started doing it. And after that, they just kind of asked me to be on the team. So I accepted. That's very cool. Can you guys, you've mentioned the Sun Glow video project a few times. What is that? What are you guys excited to be dropping here in uh, this fall? Uh, the Sunglow video project is we're going to have a pretty much a commercial made of a 4-H member that is in Clinton County. And he's it's all about him showing his pigs and his passion for it and just how much hard work and dedication it takes to do that kind of thing. And that's pretty much what it entails. To kind of add on to it, um, our goal video was kind of to shed light and a positive light to what exhibitors do with their animals and how sometimes what people might see on social media or just assume happens is always the case. And it shows that um, just him doing his daily routine with his hogs is a lot more than the average person would think. And not only did I learn this myself, I show cattle personally. So my routine looks a little bit different, but I've learned that he spends a lot of quality time with his animals and there's a lot more that goes into it than just showing up at the fair and showing. And also we kind of have started this video to get ourselves more into the filmmaking because that's something that we were all kind of interested in and wanted to continue working on. So we got the chance to take that part up. So we originally reached out to a different film company, but because of COVID-19, we had to switch to a different film company called Fresh Films um, and they're local out of Rock Island. So they took on this video and we contacted the um, kid, Caleb Cruz, and he shows pigs and used Sunglow feed. So we contacted them to see if we could kind of make this video and if they would advocate for it. And they said yes. So that's kind of how the whole thing got started. Well, this is really awesome stuff, and I'm super excited to see what you guys produced. But looking into the future, what are you hoping happens with current ag concerns, and do you think you'll carry this into the future? I know, um, Megan, you 
are going to be a junior. And so do you plan on maybe doing this when you're in college or, or what do you, I guess, the next five years look like? Um, I think that current ag concerns is definitely something that should be continuing to work um, and continue to grow. Like we said with Carter, he eighth grader, so we kind of are recruiting him now so he can be hopefully at a higher level once I, myself, and the next three seniors that we have on our team have to leave. But um, in the next five years, I definitely plan on continuing to work within ag communications. Um, just over the past few years, I've gotten heavy invo- heavily involved within just in the ag media and communication side of things. And I've discovered that I kind of have a passion for shedding positive light to agriculture. And actually, next March, I will be giving a TED Talk about my own experiences that I've had within agriculture and showing my cattle and kind of how social media can sometimes transfer views that we might have on things and how we can combat that with people who might not know about things that go on within agriculture and kind of just my own experiences with it. So um, it was originally supposed to be this year, but because of circumstances out of our control, it got moved to next. But that's all right, because I still get the chance to do it. It's just something that I'm really looking forward to because it's a really, really big step for me. And if I wouldn't have had the time on current ag concerns, I definitely wouldn't be where I am or have that opportunity. And I just have grown a lot throughout this program. And I hope that um, we can continue the current ag concerns program because I think that everyone should try and get this chance that I've been having for three years and um, we'll get to have for two more. And I'm very thankful for it. And I know that I definitely wouldn't be where I am or doing what I'm doing if I didn't have this chance. Well, absolutely, guys. It's been a joy talking to you. Always like talking to the younger generations in the agriculture industry as it is changing so much. Where can our listeners find you guys on social media and Hopefully we can uh, see that video here shortly. Yeah, so we have Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at Current Ag Concerns. Um, We post a lot of different things about the radio show and you can spot, like we said, about our upcoming Sunglow video and you can follow those accounts for more updates on what we're doing. Well, again, Megan and Carter, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today to talk to us. Thank Thank you so much for having us. Well, we finally have a legitimate excuse. A recent study found that over one-third of farmers have hearing loss. What? The study said the top reasons for hearing loss include tractors, livestock, and firearms. And after seeing my grandpa, I would add ear hair to that list. Seriously, he can't walk through Texas without being mistaken for a tumbleweed. That man was deaf as a 10-year-old billy goat with cotton stuck in his ears. My grandparents were happily married for 54 years. My granny could be barking up a storm and he would just nod his head and smile. I asked my grandpa, what's the key to such a long marriage? And he said, the ability to turn off these dang hearing aids. That woman snores like a freight train. I've been accused of having selective hearing loss myself. My doctor says I already have it. Every appointment, he starts out with the same phrase. Well, Tim, you obviously didn't hear what I said about blah, blah, blah. Why is it that no matter what restaurant I decide to eat at, there's always one person seated at another table that talks louder than an auctioneer at a NASCAR race? 
Talking louder doesn't make you more interesting, and I really don't care about how you grew up in New Jersey. I'm going to get me some hearing aids just so I can tune out people and smile while I'm doing it. Find me on YouTube at my new channel, Ask a Farmer, or just go to timthedairyfarmer.com. I hope you all are safe. Thanks for listening, and keep milking it. All right. Well, that was a good discussion. I wish uh, those young folks the best as they get out there and take the message of agriculture to folks that maybe don't get to hear it, Ashton. Absolutely, Mike. And if you want to keep up with their story, you can always follow them on Instagram. They are at current underscore ag underscore concerns. And uh, you can always follow along with us as well on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ag News Daily. With that, Mike, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.